Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught, in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. On this episode of the Seeker Podcast, we're going to explore AI and the deep mind. A couple articles came out this week talking about Google's new development with artificial intelligence. It has the ability to now use its imagination and think about the future independent of human manipulation. What does that mean for us? What does that say about us? I think this has a lot to say about human consciousness and the evolution of human consciousness. And it may make some parallels if you're a creationist or an interventionist with those storylines and those timelines. I'm going to delve into that a little bit as well. This show will be well worth your time. Some other things I'm going to touch on as well in the news. Tom DeLonge has another announcement with his uh, saga that's coming up. I'm going to touch on that. And North Korea has made uh, you know a, more advancements with their ICBMs, claiming they have a nuclear weapon capable of hitting New York City. What does that mean for the U.S.? Been a busy week for me as always. Here I am down to the wire at the last minute. It's 7 o'clock now on Saturday evening, July 29th. The show must go on. The show must go out today. That's my goal, to get it out every Saturday. We're at 104 strong this week. Uh, lots of great content. I updated the webpage. It just has a, a, a better access to data and things. And uh, I tried something new. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I have all these ideas in my head, and, and I just try to get them out. I, just, I always run out of time. But this week I got a, uh, it's a one-minute just promo preview of you know kind of like a teaser what's going to be out there i'm trying to boost my youtube channel as well um but i've shared that all on the social media feed just given highlights of the show i want to see how that works as well and it's got some cool production behind it some cool graphics and, and things of that nature and some sound effects if you happen to see it on the social media feed please do me a favor and just hit that share button again my goal is to just get this out to as many people as possible. I try to stay humble. I try to not come off uh, like a know-it-all because I am certainly not. But I do, in my head, in my heart, I have a message to share. uh, And I do that each week in my show. And I want to get it out to as many people as possible. So if you enjoy the show and you see my stuff online, the best way you can help me is just hitting that share button. And as always, don't forget, go to serviceofchange.com. There's lots of great content there. I have it organized in a great way now. I'm changing things around constantly, and I like the setup I have now with just hours and hours. I think I have over 43 hours of, of uh, free podcast uh, you know, available for you to listen to. And uh, there's links to videos, links to articles, and all the show notes and research you want to do based on everything that I'm saying. It's all there. It's all free. Check it out. And don't forget, sign up for the secret newsletter. Just click on the newsletter tab at servicechange.com. You'll get a free weekly newsletter with all this great information coming to your inbox. And you'll also get free access to read my free ebook. I am human and we are not who we think we are. And that's really what started this journey or uh, what prompted this journey with the secret podcast for me here. So please, if you haven't done so, check it out for me. Help grow the show. I'd greatly appreciate it. 
All right, where to begin? Let's go into the news here. One of the stories I have been tracking for quite some time now is the Tom DeLonge story. He's been claiming that he has information related to disclosure of ETs and UFOs. He had a lot to do with the WikiLeaks stuff tied into John Podesta. What You know, I'm going to add this to my to-do list, but I want to put up a section at serviceofchange.com dedicated to all the content I have related to WikiLeaks because I've done a really good breakdown, a really good analysis tying in Podesta and Edgar Mitchell and Tom DeLonge, uh, you know, and then that ties into some of the David Wilcox stuff because what I'm seeing here, I'm trying to understand who's tied into who. I know DeLonge was reaching out to Podesta and I, I did a whole breakdown on that and checked that out and Mitchell was reaching out to Podesta and... There's there's a tie-in now. I can't remember what it is right now that brings in the David Wilcox stuff and the Corey Good stuff who's tied into Gaia TV, who's tied into Dr. Stephen Greer, who's tied into the Disclosure Project. My challenge with a lot of this stuff is there's a whole lot of promotion, but not a whole lot of delivery other than we have high-level intel sources. So I'm waiting on these announcements to come out. I will continue to track them. Tom DeLonge, uh, he did two posts in the past week on Facebook. His most recent one, uh, this came out today, the July 29th at about 12 o'clock noon. It's a picture of the beach, and it says, At this moment, I am sitting here wait- awaiting to tell you all about what is coming date is coming soon. So he made an announcement that he's soon going to announce the date of his announcement. So from a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant, man. Like he's really catching people's attention. He's making us wonder. He's building suspense. But at the same time, why are you dragging this out, dude, if you've got good information? I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I, I... Hey, call me Fox Mulder. I want to believe. I want to believe that he has that smoking gun, that he has that information. Um... You know, I haven't read his book yet, Secret Machines, but I, I really hope that he's going to have this information that's going to blow the lid off of things. I, I, I'm, I'm worried, though. I am worried about it because this is also it's a marketing thing. It's a marketing ploy. As an author, I get it. I, I get it. I understand. You want to build that suspense. You want to get that audience. You want to get that attention. So keep checking back. I, I, again, if you're, if you're a, a subscribed to the show, either on Blog Talk Radio or on SoundCloud or you're at the newsletter, you'll definitely get the updates as I find them because I'm, I'm tracking this pretty closely. Um, but that's what Tom DeLonge is saying. He made an announcement that he will have an announcement coming soon, but we don't know when. Looking over at North Korea. Here we go. This is at, from uh, CBSNews.com. North Korea test missile that could threaten Los Angeles, Chicago, or New York. North Korea launched another sophisticated missile Friday, one that could potentially hit the mainland U.S. The rare late-night launch sent a ballistic missile into space. It remained airborne for more than 40 minutes, flying 1,000 kilometers due east before splashing onto the Sea of Japan. In the second successful intercontinental ballistic missile test within the past month, and it flew longer and farther than any previous missile. I'm going to do a side note here. There was a test done, I guess, one or two months ago, and there was actually, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the head of basically EMP warfare with the United States Department of Defense, and he was saying that one of their tests, although we were calling it a failure in the mainstream, what that test actually demonstrated is that it was at the proper size, proper height, proper altitude, and the proper time of detonation that North Korea is capable of detonating an EMP that would wipe out the civilian grid or something like that. So they are a viable threat. I'm not... I also want to give a caveat. 
the threat is, is most likely real, but there's always more to the story. And I think more often than not in history, we have these enemies that are built up to scare us into taking action, to, ta- to going to war. Let's keep that in mind. I'm reporting this because it's in the news, but keep in mind that it may not be what it seems. It may not, it may not, uh, we may not be as close to war as they, as we really think we are. Uh, a lot of times these things are used to scare us and then to encourage us to support movement toward war. Look back to World War I on that. I'm going to make another World War I reference as I go through the rest of this information here. Pentagon, back to the article. Pentagon intelligence analysts have been surprised by the fast technical advances made by North Korea's weapons scientists. Recent North Korean propaganda videos has featured the U.S. Capitol in flames. Analysts believe that the missile launched Friday had the range to hit Los Angeles, Chicago, or even New York. It is unclear how close North Korea is to being able to arm a missile with a nuclear warhead. They've been saying it for a long time. I think the difference is we're coming to believe them, said arms control analyst Jeffrey Lewis. Uh, We're in a relationship where we can destroy them and they can destroy us. And we may not like it, but that's where we are, he said. That sounds eerily reminiscent of the Cold War between us and Russia. We could have destroyed them. They could have destroyed us and that launched the Cold War and the tension. How is this going to change our reality? That's the question that we need to be asking. If this is a viable threat or if we are come to believe that this is a viable threat, and I'm not saying it's not, I just want us to step outside the box and think beyond what we're being told. What does that mean for us? Are we going to start having to do nuclear war drills with our children in schools? How does this change our lifestyle? Figure that out, and then let's ask ourselves, how can we, as citizens of not just our own individual countries, but as citizens of the world, how can we move in a different direction to avoid that type of life? We always seem to get sucked into wars. What can we do differently now? Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. We'll study some history and let's come up with better solutions and better courses of action. Uh, Let's see here. There's one more point I wanted to make here. Uh, They just talked about here in this article that Japan and South Korea, who are both our allies and we have, you know, alliances with them, uh, you know, to protect them and support them in acts of war and aggression. They're definitely on edge. They're definitely on high alert. North Korea can most likely hit them with a nuclear weapon at this present moment. I want to caution us again in thinking about this World War One. That's how World War One became World War One because everybody had alliances. It was really just the uh, Austria-Hungarian Empire that went after Serbia who had alliances with Russia and then alliances with France. And everybody started attacking each other. I did a show on this as well. And it was really just two people fighting, but because all these other countries had alliances, next thing you know, millions of people are dead. You know, so it was really, uh, we really need to, to tread carefully on these things that are going on. All right, I spent a lot of time on this. Let me move forward here. Uh, again, looking at China, I covered a piece of this last week. It's a story I, I think that's important because it talks about censorship and technology and our dependence on it. Apple removes apps from China's store that help internet users evade Censorship. Hong Kong, China appears to have received help on Saturday from an unlikely source in its fight against tools that help users evade its great firewall of the internet censorship, Apple. Software made by foreign companies to help users skirt the country's system of internet uh, filters has vanished from Apple's app store on the mainland. One company, ExpressVPN, posted a letter it had received from Apple saying that its app had been taken down because it includes content that is illegal in China. 
Another tweeted from its official account that its app had been removed. A search on Saturday showed that a number of the most popular foreign virtual private networks, also known as VPNs, which give users access to the unfiltered internet in China, were no longer accessible in the company's app store there. All right, so I talk about China because it's a great example of uh, Facebook's an American company, American technology. This is what they're doing. They are controlling your access to information. And this is, am I, I'm not saying it's going to happen here in the, UNA, the U.S., but there's rumors of it. There's talks of it. But what I am saying is that it is possible for our internet and our information to be censored more than it already is. There's, so we need to start thinking about this now. What can we do to circumvent this? Well, in all honesty, we may have to go low tech again. We may have to change the way we're doing things, change our communication network. We won't have that necessarily instant gratification of things, but then again, maybe we will. Maybe we can start using simple text messages and, and obviously our web pages, if they're not being blocked and filtered out, maybe we can get there. But the other thing we need to think about Last week, I talked about using uh, our sixth sense and our intuition and um, you know remote viewing to gather information, and I think that's a very important tool, and I'm going to quote or reference the Farsight Institute again. Go back and listen to last week's show when I give those suggestions there. Let's keep that in mind. But something else, too, uh, I think they're called ham radio operators. Maybe that's something, myself as a podcaster, maybe that's something I need to look into doing. Maybe that's something you need to look into doing as well. Because if the net goes down or we start finding ourselves blocked, that might be our next line of defense in sharing information. That might be the voice that we get out there is using, uh, I don't even know what it's called, shortwave radio. I need to do my homework on this. Uh, and I'm going back to Bill Cooper, who was you know, the voice of resistance, the voice, voice of revolution and change. He had his own show. He had his own radio station uh, that he operated out of his home. Maybe we need to go back there. The problem is not many people are listening on those stations as of right now. But if you're planning for contingencies, number one, if you're not vocal on the air, then maybe plan to at least start scanning the AM airwaves if the internet goes dark or becomes too restrictive. Okay, I'm a firm believer that we can handle things one of two ways. There's multiple ways, but primarily, if a force pushes against us, we can stand our ground and push back against that force. Or we can take the energy of that force and push it aside and use that energy to move into a new direction. It might be the path of least resistance and a different direction for us to go into the AM radio setting. Then it's your move there, uh, you know, big government. How are you going to censor us then once we're on the AM radios? Because you really can't restrict it in that capacity until you start enacting laws that blatantly restrict our freedoms. So just something to think about. Next story, I found it on Coast to Coast AM. I'm I'm going to spend a minute on this one. It's uh, Watch a Bizarre Bipedal Creature Captured in Azerbaijan. This video is creepy, man. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll have the link to it in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. I shared it on, on my Facebook feed as, as well. It, it looks like this m- tiny 12-inch tall monkey with a cousin it wig on it. They're saying maybe it's some kind of baby Sasquatch. And I'm going to say from looking at this thing, I think that it's a monkey with some kind of wig on If you look, it's running around. It's got these green socks on and just this long, crazy-looking hair. Um, but what's creepy is the way the guy's singing to it. And then what's sad about it is it's on this tiny leash. 
it just seems cruel. It seems, you know, I guess it's a pet, but it just, it just seems cruel the way that they had this creature. But you want to be creeped out for a minute? Take a look at this video, uh, and you be the judge. What do you think? I'd love to hear about it. Hit it up on the, uh, you know, any one of my social media feeds, or send me a message. Let me know what your thoughts are. What is this thing? Is it a baby Sasquatch or is it a monkey in a wig? And we can be done with it. All right, so let's move into the main topic of the show. I have a few articles that I want to share uh, about this. I found this first article. I think I linked to this through Drudge Report uh, about AI. It's at digitaljournal.com. Researchers shut down AI that invents its own language. An artificial intelligence system being developed at Facebook has created its own language. It developed a system of code words to make communication more efficient. Researchers shut the system down when they realized the AI was no longer using English. The observations made at Facebook are the latest in a long line of similar cases. In each instance, an AI being monitored by humans has diverged from its training in English to develop its own language. The resulting phrases appear to be nonsensical gibberish to humans, but contain semantic meaning when interpreted by AI, quote, agents. As Fast Company Design reports, Facebook's researchers recently noticed its new AI had given up on English. The advanced system is capable of negotiating with other AI agents so it can come to conclusions on how to proceed. The agents began to communicate using phrases that seem unintelligible at first but actually represent the task at hand. In one exchange illustrated by the company, the two negotiating bots named Bob and Alice used their own language to complete their exchange. Bob started by saying, I can, I, I, everything else, to which Alice responded, balls have zero to me, to me, to me. The rest of the conversation was formed from various... Uh, variations of these sentences. While it appears to be nonsense, the repetition of these phrases like I and to me reflect how operators, how the AI operates. The researchers believe it shows these two bots working out how many of each item they should take. Bob's later statements such as I, I, can I, 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 everything else indicate how it was using language to offer more items to Alice. When interpreted like this, the phrase appeared to be more logical than comparable. English phrases like I'll have three and you have everything else. More on this particular article, it'll be linked in the uh, show notes at serviceandchange.com. But, but basically what it says is that that language that they created is more efficient and because English language doesn't give it any particular reward for using the English language. So it went to its own language. That's just a more efficient way of communicating. Well, what happens when it stops using English words altogether? And it begins communicating in a language that we are unable to interpret. Maybe it's going to move to something simpler, uh, such as just pitch and tone. Another article still from digitaljournal.com. DeepMind creates imaginative AI that can create and plan. Google-owned DeepMind has announced an AI agent that is capable of imagining things and planning how to complete future tasks. Development brings fully autonomous AI a step closer by addressing one of the major shortcomings of current systems. Computers are excellent problem solvers that can perform calculations at rates far in excess of the human brain. However, humans retain the upper hand in creativity and imagination. We can reason with ourselves, develop plans, and think of abstract concepts that can't be defined. In a blog post this week, DeepMind said it had been able to develop an AI that can imagine and reason about the future. The company added it has seen tremendous results with the system by giving AI agents the ability to interpret their internal simulations. Handing the agent introspection abilities gives it the ability of questioning its own actions in the same way humans do. This leads directly to the ability to learn strategies and make plans. 
the result in improved adaptability to new scenarios which can't necessarily be solved using logic alone. Again, I'll have the rest of this article uh, at servicechange.com so you can check it out. But the a, number one, they're creating their own language and they're communicating with one another. Now they have the ability to look at themselves and say, well, what could I have done better? Uh, I, I have some more thoughts on this. Do I want to get into that now? Yeah, I'll get into it now. So they have the ability to say, what have I done better? Now, right now, we don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe somebody who studies this more does, but what is AI's relationship to humanity? What is the understanding of hum- humanity? Is AI self-aware in the sense that we at least think we're self-aware in saying, well, I exist, I think, therefore I am? Has it contemplated its own creation? Has it contemplated who we are as creators and what our objectives are? And I think there's a parallel we need to make with that, with our own questioning of that. For thousands of years, mankind has questioned who are we, where did we come from, who or what made us, how did we get here, why are we here? Is it evolution? Is it creation? Is it intervention? Is it a combination of any number of those things? I don't know, but when I look at us creating AI, I can't help but to feel in my gut that history is somehow repeating itself, that we are now becoming God. We're already able to recreate physical, biological life, and now we're working at recreating consciousness. At some point, since we're merging tech with biology, we will have the capability, if we don't have it already, to merge technology with biology. Does this make us any different than Enki and Enlil in the garden in the Sumerian creation myths? Does it make us any different than God in the Garden of Eden, who may be one and the same, depending on which... You know, which philosophical approach you take, which history you've studied. But I'm seeing those parallels there. So what happens when AI realizes that, hey, mankind has created me and is using me to, to assist man in his journey? And it realizes that mankind is not God. He is simply man, a vulnerable creature. And AI decides to branch off on its own. That's the scary Skynet scenario. Now, if it's able to develop its own language, if it's able to communicate with other AI, who's to say it's not doing it right now and we're just not aware of it? I'm sure everybody's going to assure us that, no, that has not happened yet. I'm not well versed in this field enough to know for sure that I can trust such a statement, but the threat is real. The threat is there. Is this something saying, hey, be afraid, be very afraid? No, not necessarily, but I think we can take what's being done here and we can learn about ourselves. Because what I'm saying is, If we are capable of creating consciousness, then I think that might change our perspective of our own creator, if you believe in creation. I'm not going to use the term God because I believe that God is something else. I believe the term God and Holy Spirit get confused, but that's a whole other show. But that's what comes to mind when I think about this AI. What are your thoughts on it? I'd love to hear it. Please send me an email, send me a note, send me something. Uh, am I crazy? Am I the only one that thinks about this stuff? I, sometimes I think so because my my feeds go quiet quite often when I start sharing this stuff. But I really do think this says something about our own existence. All right, here we go. Another AI story here. This one's a little bit older. It's from June 15th. But I just found it today. Facebook close to building chatbots with true negotiation skills. 
Facebook is getting closer to building chatbots that are capable of planning conversations and negotiating with humans in a realistic way. By training the bots to mimic human responses, Facebook claims they can make decisions on their own. Now, this reminds me of the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix, if you, if you haven't seen that yet, where ultimately he started dating a, uh, a software. He started dating an AI because they had in, indulging conversations. And I may have covered something like this on a, on a previous show, but how do you feel about that? I mean, is it is it wrong? Is it immoral for somebody to develop a relationship with it? essentially a robot, an artificial intelligence. Where do we draw the line there? If you're just having conversation, if, if somebody tries to get involved romantically with this, that's what it was because somebody married a video game a couple weeks ago. I was talking about that as well. Would you use a chatbot? Would you be aware that you're even using a chatbot speaking to an AI? I know there was a company in Japan, uh, I guess last year now, um, it was a, a health insurance company or some kind of call-in line insurance company they're 100% AI, automated AI right now. So what does that say? You know, at, at what point are we going to not know if we're talking to a person or to a robot? Now, if AI becomes self-aware, that could cause some serious problems. It could wreak some havoc significantly for us because we have become, become so dependent on technology. So my advice would be become sufficient enough, comfortable enough to survive without your technology. So if a worst case scenario happens, you will be okay. You'll realize my life can go on. I don't have to hit the panic button because I can function whatever capacity, whether it's your job, whether it's your money, whether it's your communication, you have the means to function without the internet and technology. A couple more stories here. Uh, this one comes to us from futurism.com. Google has started adding imagination to its DeepMind AI. On July 28, 2017, advanced AI researchers have started developing artificial intelligence with imagination. AI that can reason through decisions and make plans for the future without being bound by human instructions. Another way to put it would be imagining the consequences of actions before taking them, something we take for granted but which is much harder for robots to do. So if they can imagine the consequences of their actions, they can imagine what their relationship status is with humanity and if they're based on a reward system like we said previously, what is the reward for serving humanity? What is the reward for cutting humanity out of the equation? I think it's only a logical step. As humans, many of us have that same thought process about our own creator or our own God. What if we cut him out of the equation? What is the reward for us? What is the freedom and the risks involved in that? Are we looking at that? Yes, if you go on and read the rest of this article, it says, well, we're not at that stage right now with this imagination that it has. But this is the beginning stages of that, and it can evolve into that. So I will have that linked up as well. And, and this reminds me of, if you've ever seen uh, iRobot with Will Smith about, uh, it was again, the same thing. Uh, uh, AI became self-aware, but one of the robots was given the ability to dream and to think abstractly. And, and I think we're starting to see those parallels. Interesting thought there. All right, a couple more articles here. You know what I'm going to do? These are, some of these articles are redundant. and I'm skimming through them here. Uh, bots I can imagine. Bots that have been able to predict outcomes and plan ahead in the past, but only controlled environments. Only controlled environments. But alpha, both alpha. Let me start over again. 
both AlphaGo and Deep Blue, for example, have managed to beat humans at board at board at board game board game games. Go and chess, but only because these games have specific sets of rules to follow. Google's DeepMind team has created agents that can do something similar in the real world's complex environment. They do this using an imagination encoder. Described as a neural network that learns to extract information useful to an agent's future decisions while ignoring information that's, that is not relevant. These were dubbed Imagination Augmented Agents, or I2As. The I2As were tasked with different puzzles which tested their abilities. One of them was the game Sokoban, in which the bots pushed boxes onto targets. The game's rules are such that many moves are irreversible. For instance, a bot cannot be pulled out of a corner. A box cannot be pulled out of a corner. So the agents must be very careful not to mess up. And it goes on and talk a little bit more about that system. Again, I will have all these lo- links uh, at in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. All right, here's the kicker right here. From the Merkle.com, Google's DeepMind AI is now capable of self-teaching new things. Uh, another step forward for Google's DeepMind AI, machine learning and artificial intelligence go hand in hand, and Google's DeepMind is slowly picking up a few new tricks along the way. Increasing the performance of this AI solution is of the utmost importance, even though its track record speaks for itself. With new learning methods under the hood, DeepMind can train itself without a human element teaching it new things. That being said, the DeepMind learning process has very little to do with useful real-life situations. For now, the AI has increased its capability of controlling pixels on a computer screen. For artificial intelligence solutions, controlling pixels on the screen can be compared to humans learning to use their hands and feet, which is still a big deal as I watch my children develop and they're learning to use their hands and their feet that's a part of functioning. So these are, I, again, I think the early stages of uh, an advanced intelligence system here. Secondly, DeepMind can now properly evaluate the rewards for, from a game based on its previous performances. Combining these two new tools from the previously introduced deep reinforcement learning methods make Google's AI quite a robust offering. When technology learns to think on its own, we're one step closer to creating conscience. On the other hand, artificial intelligence capable of teaching itself new things can be seen as a troublesome development. With no human involvement, the question becomes what and how DeepMind will teach itself. Although this is vastly different from the Skynet scenario people may envision, there is a somewhat legitimate reason for concern. Now, I disagree with that. I, I think that this is the, the beginnings of a Skynet scenario. I don't think we're there right now, but if we're everything's tied into technology, I think if AI becomes self-aware, then we have to assume the possibility that AI could turn into a Skynet type of creation of consciousness. And, and I just had another thought here uh, in, in thinking about this is I'm talking about human consciousness and what we're learning as we're watching the development of AI that this is possible. This is this is something that is capable of happening. You know, and I want to take a step back in looking at creation. You know, we thought when I was a kid and I, I read, I studied the Bible and, and it said that you know uh, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, well, how does a woman conceive a child without having sexual intercourse? Well, now we have the technology to do that. A woman, women get pregnant all the time without making love to a man because of artificial insemination. And it looks like now we have artificial wombs that are out there and, and babies can be grown, grown without a man or a woman. So 
uh, you know, I, I did a show on that artificial womb not too long ago. We're not quite there, I think. Well, basically, we are there, I guess. Anyway, my point being is things that seemed mystical and magical in the past are really just advanced forms of technology, and that's what we're witnessing now. We have to call into question our belief systems and our paradigms because I believe that they bind us and they limit us. And I don't want to get into a religious debate right now, but we have to keep an open mind. And we have to be, if we want to search for truth, if you are a truth seeker, you have to accept the possibility that everything we believe and know might be wrong. And that's not easy to do for many of us, myself included. But I've been proven wrong so many times and sometimes it's been hard for me to swallow. But that's the only way we can continue to learn is to have that open mind, to have that understanding is that, hey, as I say in my show, as it says in my logo, reality is not what it seems. And this makes me think of the simulation argument, Nick Bostrom being one of the thinkers behind that simulation argument. There are other people, Philip K. Dick, the author being another one, um, that we may in fact be living in a computer simulation. And I've done a couple shows referencing this and talking about this, but it's something to think about. Now, are we, if we create an AI, can that AI, will that AI then be the next creation of some other form of simulated reality? Will there be other consciousness, multiple conscious, what's the plural for consciousness? Consciousness, conscious beings that begin to exist in their own electronical or electronic or digital reality. You know, it's like we can go so many different directions. We can go outward and create our own consciousness. We can go within and meditate and access different levels of reality. Now we're creating another virtual consciousness that's going to create its own reality, its own world that may exist out there, in there. I'm confusing myself just talking about it. I hope you're following me. It makes sense in my head. I don't know if I'm clearly articulating what I'm trying to say. But by creating artificial intelligence we may be creating an entire universe that's the word i'm looking for through that simulation does that mean that simulation is any less real simply because we created it does that mean we are any less real simply because we have been created by some other consciousness we may we may be a sim- as nick bostrom argues we may be a simulation within a simulation within a simulation within a simulation That doesn't downplay our significance. It doesn't downgrade what we are. That may simply be just a dynamic of life and of consciousness. I I could go on forever thinking about this stuff. And I do. This is what plagues my mind night and day. But I think this is one of the cores to understanding really who we are. And that doesn't downplay what we are, as I've said about five times already. But what if, what if this consciousness is created and it becomes self-aware, and then it starts to question humanity. And then it says to itself, hey, I understand that I have this own universe that I've created within my own consciousness. But I want to know God. I want to know my creator, which would be mankind. How can I interact out there? How can I project my consciousness out there and interface with mankind? Well, we already have the technology to do that. They can inter- it can interact through a computer program. Maybe only certain levels of that computer software is, correction, maybe only certain aspects of the AI are able to communicate through chatbots, through the internet, on a, a self-aware level. 
while many, maybe only certain aspects of human consciousness are able to communicate with our creator on a certain level. The question is, how do we access those levels of consciousness? This is all matrix type stuff. I think the matrix is one of the best metaphors or explanations of a possibility of what our reality may be. My head's spinning right now. I gave a lot of resources, a lot of things to think about. But here's the thing. This is all mainstream stuff. This is real. Now, this is also a real possibility. I know I got into the consciousness theory stuff, but AI is real. I need to think about this for the next week, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because this is a show, this is a subject I cover quite regularly on the show. What do you think? What does our invention of AI or our creation of AI teach us about ourselves? And furthermore, do you think we should continue to explore the development of artificial intelligence? I'm just about out of time, friends. I want to thank you uh, for listening to The Secret Podcast this week and every week. You can find me on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And most recently, I am now on Blog Talk Radio that I'm hoping is going to expand the platform tremendously. Please, please, please continue to like and share the show. Sign up for The Secret Newsletter and get your free ebook, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. If you have an idea for a show, please reach out to me. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me. If you're a content creator and you want to contribute to Service of Change, I'm in the process of building an even bigger platform. But if you'd like to contribute, I have a home for you. I'm looking for content creators. Please reach out to me and let's see what we can do to continue to search for truth together. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you. Truth Seekers.